Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome once again to Madame Perry Salon, the podcast with inauguration. This is your host and cruise director, Madame Perry, and I'm so happy to be here as always. And uh, I know I'm starting a little bit late, and I was definitely late. But what happened? And this is a first for me with all the cool people I've had on here tonight. I was late because I was listening to music by tonight's guest. And then I looked up and saw, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be doing a show. So anyway, first of all, say thank you for everyone who's been subscribing, sharing with friends, because uh, the numbers every day when I check the stats, they're just astronomical, thanks to you. Um, we also want to uh, say so many people have been on lately that have books and things that you should check out. One is Chris Difford, Some Fantastic Place. You know Chris, the co-founder of Squeeze. Um that is certainly a fascinating book. Also, we had Paul Myers, a journalist and musician, uh, but he was talking about his, three of his books, uh, Wizard of True Star, Todd Rundgren in the Studio, Bare Naked Ladies, uh, Public Stunts and Private Stories, Long John Baldry, The Birth of the British Blues, or It Ain't Easy, in October that you can pre-order. It's called One Dumb Guy, and it's about... TV show, The Kids in the Hall. Uh, you remember the comedians, Kids in the Hall? Hilarious. So go ahead and get that. Also, we had from Mystery Science Theater 3000, uh, one of their finest writers, Larry Johnson, was here two weeks ago. And he has uh, an event called Cineprov, which is also movie riffing like MST3K, at uh, Plaza Theater in Atlanta, Georgia, the first Thursday of every month. You should definitely check that out. But... Tonight, my guest is uh, a fantastic musician. Yeah, he's he's from, I believe, but you can see, if you haven't seen him, then you've just been shut up in the house because he plays, he's everyone's go-to guy. He's uh, was inducted in the Georgia Music Hall of Fame in 2015. Uh, you've seen him. He is the go-to secret weapon for people like Hank Williams Jr., Keith Richards, Izzy Stradlin, Miranda Lambert. Okay, with uh, CeeLo Green, Matchbox Twin, everybody. So I'm going to go ahead and part the beaded curtain and bring him in to hope you'll welcome Joey. Have you here? Hey, it's good to be here. Joey. How uh, are you? You heard him. You're breaking up on me. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. How about now? Can you hear me now? Is this a little yeah. better? Yeah. Okay. That's better. Great. Yeah. This is the first with all all the musical guests I've had. You're the first person I got caught up listening to your music and and almost forgot to start the show. So. 
<laughs> that's uh, quite an uh, quite a compliment. <laughs> so, yeah, well, you've got a, a great body of work there. So, um, you you're one of the people that you know everybody wants to aspire to be a, a, li- a working musician, just a solid working musician, and you're certainly the man. But tell me, when when did you start playing? Because everybody wants to know, you know, how you did it. When did you start? Where where did this uh, career and journey and life begin for you? I started playing piano when I was about eight, and uh, my my parents were paying for the lessons, and I took one lesson and decided I didn't want to go to the lessons anymore, and and uh, kept the money that my parents gave me for the lessons and taught myself how to play. <laughs> So that's how I started playing piano. <laughs> okay. You were a pretty savvy guy at eight years old. <laughs> I like yeah. <it. laughs> okay. Well, you, you know, when you're a kid, it, you know, six months seems like an eternity away. You know, you know, thought about, think about the, uh, the, um, the fault. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. So you started playing uh, piano eight, and so I guess that by the time you got to junior high and high school, that probably made you pretty popular at parties too. Well, yeah, that that was that was a good thing, but uh, I ended up uh, leaving Kentucky, leaving my home, running out away from home when I was sixteen to to go out on the road with the band. And uh, the band was Wild Cherry, you know, play that funky music, White Boy. Oh, they, yeah. They just, yeah, that was my first road gig. Um, they they came through my small town and played, and, and their keyboard player quit or did something, and I filled in for the night, and then they, and they asked me, you know, if I could come on the road with them, and I said, sure. You know, I didn't bother to tell them I was 16. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so I mean, sure they were in a fix, but obviously they were impressed. So when did they find out the truth about your age? Well, when uh, in La Plata, Maryland, when a state trooper showed up to the gig to take me back to Kentucky. <laughs> You're not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was, you know, it was one of those things. That, that happened um, you know I went home and they took me back to Kentucky and I told my parents you know look this is what I'm going to do you know you can accept it or you can keep sending state cops at it looking for me <laughs> and and their reaction was okay we'll we give support in. you yeah oh. <laughs> and, and, and they have been some of my biggest supporters since then and I have to say, I couldn't have made it through some of the rough times without a little help from them. So, well, so, and, and that's fantastic. You know, it really does. You do need to have a support system and people believing in you and, and supporting you to get by and, and a lot of things, but especially in the arts. When, um, so how long were you with Wild Cherry? Oh, uh, probably six months to nine months. And then ended up in Miami and started playing with some people down there and kind of gravitated to Daytona Beach. And I was in cover bands after that. And it basically was my college, you know, learning how to play other people's songs and and 
you do it and you play so much, you, you get good if you're applying yourself. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, well, yeah, and I guess, too, you have to learn a lot of different people's style as well. Sure, but you tend to gravitate towards the people that influence you the most. Like, I mean, I gravitate towards Nicky Hopkins and Ian McLagan, the kind of, uh, you know, stone spaces kind of stuff. Boyd uh, uh-huh. Kramer, Boyd Kramer on the countryside. So, you know, I, I've been doing the same thing for 35 or 40 years, and playing piano and organ started around started around uh, the 1989, 90. I started playing just piano and organ, and that's used, that's what I've been hired for mostly throughout the years. And what I've what I've played hasn't changed. Just what the the uh, scenery around me has changed. It seems like. Oh, okay. That that makes sense. Um, <laughs> so then, so so you're on the road, and like you said, this this is this is like your college, you know, and that's for and all the good and bad things that can happen. And I certainly have got. I'm just a speck. You know, it was the music career I had compared to you, but I do know whenever sometimes um, uh, when you have something bad happen or um, that rare moment when somebody else sabotages your stuff or something goes wrong or a musician goes, you know, comes in drunk to the drums or something, you know, you, you think, okay, this is bad, but then again, where else would I learn this and learn how to deal with it? And better that I learn it right. now in front of a smaller group than a bigger. This is this is like your 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 school and your grad work. Yeah, more likely, you know, your drummer's drunk for the night. That's night you'd learn drums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was. Um, yeah, and uh, and funny thing, he couldn't figure out why we we let him go because of that. But yeah, 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 uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, you meet all something. kinds. Yeah, yeah, said, it uh, surely yeah, is. Said, well, you wouldn't go to your day gig and do that. What would they say, you know? But but yeah, you there's a there's so much to it, you know. But yet when it's when everything is right, I just like the it it just makes everything else bad or negative go away you know when everybody's in sync it has a way of doing that Um, you know when everything's hitting on all cylinders you know just close your eyes and go with it yeah yeah I used to say because we did jazz and I always said I'm the weakest link I could only afford for me to be the weakest link in the group and I said there were some times with these jazz guys and they're going out you know, on their solos, and I said, for me, it was like a cartoon. I had to be like a cartoon character. You know, when they run off a cliff and they don't fall, <laughs> they don't fall until they realize they're off the cliff. I couldn't look down. Once right. I looked down, it was over. So you got to keep running. That's, that's exactly <laughs> so, right. So then you really, yeah, you saw the. You began to see the country, and then I know you've also seen the world playing music. And I would imagine in some ways you, you sort of become like an armchair sociologist, too. You know, you see so many different types of people, and you get to know different kinds of folks. Yeah, you kind of have a good judge of character of people, I mean, after doing this, kind of like a psychologist or something. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, – 
I don't know. It's pretty interesting. By the way, um, let's see. We had a. If you want to talk to Joey tonight, because there's a lot of fans here, um, but if you want to talk to Joey Huffman live, and I've got a. Uh, the number to call in is 646-716-9922, 646-716-9922. Block Talk Radio assures me that it is a toll-free call in the continental U.S. And by the way, I have a message from uh, uh, Ray Daffrico, your pal, and he's and mine, and he says that uh, he's at an event tonight, so he can't be with us, but he sends a shout-out and... Um, says hello to you. And, and Joey says hey to Ray. Hey. And also uh, another friend of yours who says, you know, she would, she's listening, but she can't call because she's in the middle of her job, work day. But she says, you know, she, she's crazy about you and she has some, she loves you and she has some great stories. That's Delia Ray. Oh, Delia. Yeah, we do have a, a checkered yeah. past there. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, I can't sneak a call out from work, but tell him I'm listening and say hello. So great, great. Yeah, yeah. You know, some good people. You know, and the thing is, we go on in life. That sometimes tends to be one of the most valuable things. As much as doing work that you love, is having good people around you. Oh, sure, sure. Right. You know, the people you surround yourself with. Is is as, as important as what you're doing, you know. And uh, yeah, no kidding. And so, uh, um, so then, so then you're playing around. You're in some cover bands, and then you know, come on, tell me how you got to. I mean, you're the go-to man. I look on your website, and if you're listening, it's JoeyHuffman.com, and you see on the website you have been. Everybody wants you. Uh, the names of people. That have hired you to work with them. If you want Keith Richards, Mick Jagger, CeeLo Green, Miranda Lambert, Hank Williams Jr., who you still play with, you, you're yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to tour with him this summer. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, the first break, I got my first record deal, I guess, uh, in 1986, and I worked with uh, uh, Journey's guitar player, I was Neil Sean, and wrote a few songs for the record and stuff, and. Clive Davis had signed the band and, and, you know, he was telling us what stars we were going to be. And, you know, we, we were really excited working with these established artists and Kevin Elson produced the record who did journey stuff. And, uh, you know, we Kevin, it gets Kevin to be Elson. 19. Elson. Is that, Kevin is that Elson. Kevin El- Elson or El- not the guy that played with drums for Utopia? No, no, not, the, not that guy. Oh, no. Okay. Kevin okay. Kevin Elson, he he actually makes front of house for Leonard Skinner in the heyday, and uh, he he produced all those Journey records in the eighties. But he was he was producing our record, and uh, you know we had all had high hopes for it, and of course it comes right out in nineteen eighty eight, and you know stiffs right off the bat. So that kind of li- leaves you wondering, you know, what are you going to do with your career? You've worked all. You know everything that you work for is to have to get that record deal, and then it stiffs, and you go, well, what now? So mm-hmm. I just I just got a phone call. I think I was in that what's happening now stage when I got a phone call from somebody that worked with Isaac Hayes at 
asked me, you know, that I've been recommended to, that I want to go do some dates with Isaac Hayes. And that's totally different than what I was doing, you know, at the time. But I said, you know, as I learned, I never say no, I can't do it. So I said, sure, I'll do it. And, you know, I went to tour Europe with Isaac Hayes in 1989, I guess. And then it kind of started from there. Um, uh-huh. Played with Michelle Malone and Dragged the River. And um, after that, uh, I, I called Rick Richards. They used to play the Cavern every Sunday, uh, the Hellhounds. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, I yeah. just called, cold called Rick. I, I, I'd met him, but I didn't know him. I had his number, and I said, hey, Rick, can I bring my piano down and play with you guys tonight? He says, well, sure, man. So... I took my piano down and set up and and played played all three sets with them. I didn't miss a song. And after that, I was kind of an official member of the combo. <laughs> those, and those guys are so great. And I saw you there with them a lot. And I think the last time I saw you was with the guys at, um, I think it was at the Earl some time back. But, yeah, yeah. And they're just the – Yeah, that, that was – They're just the most – That's Keith and the satellite thing. They're fantastic. I know they were. When I had my TV show back in the late '80s, Rick and Rick as the um, as the Ricardos. Ricardos were, I think, yeah. one of the first. Yeah, remember that? Rick Price, Rick Richards, and uh, they were on one of the first shows I had, and they just made everything so comfortable. You know, but then again, oh, yeah. you talk about showbiz and stuff that happens. Remember when they came on uh, on my TV show? They were talking about they had just lost the, out uh, to Millie Vanilli in the Grammys. So, right. <laughs> they're they're showbiz for you. <laughs> yeah, that is. You know, what a, what a sleazy business it is, really. <laughs> So, so, I mean, Isaac Hayes, yeah. So how, you know, then you got to roll into a soul thing. But what was it like? As he seems like, I, I, I never met him, but I remember I was at uh, a restaurant in Atlanta. I think it was R. Thomas, and he was sitting a few tables away. And as you walk by, he just seemed to emanate just a certain energy. Like, like a, oh, sure. He's Isaac just, Hayes. That I mean, just he... vibrated from him. He he wrote all those songs for, for Sam and Dave and Otis Redding and Wilson Pickett. Him and his, his Dave Porter, I think, it was a songwriting partner, wrote all those really cool songs. Hold on, I'm coming. I thank you. Uh, <laughs> something wrong with my baby. Uh, all these cool old Memphis soul songs. And I I thought when I took the gig, I'm thinking, yeah, that'll be cool. We'll uh. We'll do some of that. Well, I was uh, <laughs> handed handed some charts to play, and they were the, his all his later stuff, which is still great, but it was just a little different than I expected. <laughs> so, uh, so then, what is it like when when you come in new to a band like that, and probably most of the other players were together? have been together for a yeah. while, and you come in new. What's it like finding your place where you fit in? Well, it's just kind of like, it's like jumping out of an airplane and hoping the chute uh, <laughs> opens. You know, it's kind of, there's about 60 seconds or, or a few minutes of like going, you know, 120 miles an hour, and then your chute opens, and you say, okay, everything's going to be fine. <laughs> okay. So uh, I mean, hopefully, you know, uh, you know, 
hopefully they're they're nice and say hey and introduce themselves you know i haven't been in a been in a weird or a weird situation where nobody introduced themselves or or anything like that thank god <laughs> yes seriously but i guess that's really the mark of a professional you know they were going to there's no games like that yeah well i was so young i was just taking it the whole time <laughs> yeah. I, I I figured out so, I figured out the less you said the less you said the more the more uh, uh the better more intelligent or more uh ready for the gig you were and so I would just not say a lot and people would, would think what they would <laughs> that's pretty wise. That's a very wise. You're a wise man. You were you were wise at a young age, I believe. I don't know if that was. Before. Well, then again, I was going to say for being on the road so young. But on the other hand, the guy that kept at eight years old kept the piano uh, lesson money and yeah. taught himself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'd say that uh, that you were already special. Uh, so this Isaac <laughs> Hayes. I mean, how did you go? So from there, where did you go? Uh, like I said, I did Michelle Malone and then started playing with the Satellites. And then after the Satellites, uh-huh. or while I was playing with them, um, uh, oh, I I went out with, uh, in 1988, I went out with Keith Richard, Richards as Isaac, uh, I mean, Ivan Neville's keyboard tech. And uh, then again in 1992, they called me again and wanted me to do it again. And this time... Uh, the people that opened for him were Soul Asylum and Izzy Stradlin. And so from that gig, I got two gigs. I got the Soul Asylum gig and I got the Izzy Stradlin gig. So it's just like my career just kind of blew up from there. In 1993, I started to do a lot of records and I was getting in demand and doing a lot of good touring and a lot of good TV stuff. And, you know, it just seemed, it seemed kind of like I was just standing back looking at myself doing this stuff and going, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, sometimes you would just stop and think, this is really me. This is my life, you know. Um, and now Rick Richards was already... Was that he had already been working with Izzy, hadn't he? At that time, yeah, or was that? Yeah. Or did you start with him at the same time? Yeah. No, no, no. Rick had, um, had, was working with him before. That's kind of why I went and took that Keith gig again, is because the satellites couldn't play. Rick wasn't there, and uh, so uh, I, I went and did that. And then I sat in uh, on that Keith tour. I sat in with Soul Asylum on their set when they opened and I, I got Rick to talk to Izzy to let me sit in with him when he opened for Keith, the one date. And, uh, it, it worked out great. <laughs> it was cool. And then, uh, we got back from that tour and, and, and Izzy played uh, the center stage here in Atlanta. And I, w- I was going to sit in on that one. And I had already packed my bags because I knew that they were going to ask me to come finish the tour with them. And I was right. Made my, made uh, my cool. ex-wife so pissed off. 
I had I'd only been home like two days. Oh no! And I know, and we see that you said ex-wife there, so I think we get the yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, Where that she didn't headed have too or big of a head. sense of humor. Yeah, she didn't have too much of a sense of humor about that stuff. <laughs> oh, let's see. Oh, well, it's a, you know, funny thing. I've been married uh, for 31 years, and my husband, not only in his well, congratulations. he's traveled. <laughs> Thanks. But as soon as we got married, he was sent around the world. It'd be someplace like, you know, a couple of months. Then they'd send him from that country to another country for another month or so. And people would go, how do you do it? You know, they'd ask him, how does your wife let you go? He goes, oh, my wife's a natural loner. She's just fine. You know, <laughs> and it's true. I always said, for me, I don't know about, you know, the women in your life, but, you know, Joey, to me, I felt like it was it made it more like an affair than a marriage. So it was like we were always glad to see each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I've had some really rough relationships because of music, and uh, I'm in one right now, which she understands what, what what's going on and stuff. And uh, you know, I'm always gone, so she, she, you know, I don't have to be there. Mm-hmm. But when I am, it's nice. Yeah. So, yeah, some people can't, but I'm not, you know, I mean, I love my husband. I'm devoted to him, but I'm not the joint of the hip type. So, you know, just fine. But, yeah, but it's not easy for a lot of folks. So, uh, so yeah, so you knew Izzy. Uh, uh, you yeah, knew I do understand The call that. was there. All you had to, you, you know, you figured you might as well pack up so they wouldn't have to wait on you, so the, so the bus wouldn't leave That's without right. you. That's right. <laughs> and... By the way, is it true? Now, I'm going to ask you another question. This is kind of like, you know, personal road stuff. But because you've you've toured with rock musicians who are famous and soul musicians and country stars. I mean, you've uh, toured with Miranda Lambert, Hank Williams Jr. Uh, I, 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 I I played on Miranda's first record. Okay. So... So you didn't tour, but you played on her record. Yeah, I didn't tour with Miranda. I just played on her record, her first record. Okay, but you've been with another. Which I haven't gotten a platinum. Okay. I haven't gotten a platinum record for it yet, so that that goes out to you, Frank. (laughs) Oh, really? You want me to call somebody? (laughs) I'm an entertainment publicist, Joey. I'll call somebody for you. Don't you worry. I'll call somebody, you know. (laughs) But... um, (laughs) <laughs> but is it a, a myth that uh, okay, that's no problem. Is is it a myth that uh, country western stars always have the best tour buses? Um, actually, yeah, you know that's. I guess that is a myth because I mean, everybody's on a Prevost now, and they're pretty much all the same. So, but tour bus is like a home to me even more than a hotel room. So, you know, I just love it when the generator's going and you're sitting there or you're laying there in your bunk and it's like 60 degrees and you're sleeping. It's one of my favorite feelings in the world. (laughs) Cool. You know, um, now I'm going to ask you about something else. 
And the same thing about being on the tour bus. Now, you say that's a good feeling. That's a good feeling. But um, once one of my first musical guests when I began the podcast, uh, very nice guy. I know you know him. Uh, his name is Rudy Sarzo. Oh, yeah, Rudy. Yeah. And when he had, you know, he wrote a book. Uh, about his um, called Off the Rails about his life with uh, or his time touring with Ozzy, and also that of yeah. course that that covered the time when his friend Randy Rhodes, uh, you know, was in that awful uh, the airplane accident, plane crash. But yeah, the plane crash. I'm sorry. Yeah, plane crash. And uh, he said that in the beginning when he's touring with you know them, it's all fun and games, and then he starts noticing that. Anybody that's drunk and passes out, you know, they might wake up with half their head shaved and the other half dyed pink or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. Said, you know, he said they did. Somebody pulled a trick. I think it's Ozzy or somebody did that to one guy. I don't, don't remember who it was in the group. And so we're all sitting in the diner. This guy wakes up, comes or comes to, comes in the diner, and people are looking at him. He's going, what's the matter with you people? Because he didn't know he had half a shaved head and half a pink head. He said, and I decided <laughs> right then and there, I made up my mind that if I was going to ever be anything in this business, I needed to stay sober on the bus. <laughs> this couldn't happen to me. <laughs> well, or make make sure you're not, you know, make sure you're the soberest, I guess, the most sober. <laughs> I can't get caught up in anything like this. So, so now you know I'm going to ask you to uh, tell me what are some of the best practical jokes that have been played on a bus. Oh God, that's so many. Uh, the only thing that I can think of, uh, well, the guitar player for Matchbox Twenty, uh, uh, Kyle, he didn't have a sense of smell, and so whenever he would he would go days without taking showers and and would kind of like reek a little bit. <laughs> But he couldn't smell it, so they they the the management kept telling him, you know, you gotta watch your hygiene, you gotta you gotta you know stay clean, and you know he was just he was just blowing it off or whatever. So one day, the tour manager Dean got like a thousand of these uh, evergreen evergreen air fresheners and and put them all in his bunk. So, <laughs> so I think he might have gotten the message then. <laughs> I, I, I hope he was a good sport. He was. He was. He's a good guy. <laughs> uh, that wouldn't want to embarrass him, but. Okay. Yeah, I've had a. I love to hear some of those. We had a, another guy, a drummer on here once, Joe Vitale. I'm sure you know him too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he was he was telling a story about when he was uh I think him and Joe Walsh on a plane and he said this is back when you could have scissors on an airplane and while they were on the plane for some reason they thought it would be fun just to take a newspaper, cut it up and tape it all to their to their clothes, so they walk out like walking newspapers. It doesn't sound like a really big deal, but I'm sure if you saw it, and then the process of them doing it while they're on the plane. <laughs> sure. 
there's all kinds of you know just to 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 not to just so there's no boredom you know you do these things once i was with keith and uh we were playing the beacon theater and i left my pass on the bus and uh um the 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 tour manager uh said well here's just a temporary one but he said don't let joe uh the security guy see you without it or you're going to get fined. And little to my knowledge is Joe was in on it, that there was no fine mm-hmm. or anything. So he kept like showing up where I was and I would have to like try to sneak out. And that did, they did that to me all day. And, and, uh, you know, I was about exhausted trying to hide from Joe. Finally, he came up and told me. He told me it was a joke. I guess that could be like an initiation too, huh? <laughs> when you know. Oh sure, sure. I was you know on the block. It's kind of like like initiating the uh, the kid brother. So yeah, you're definitely in then. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, not so funny then, but funny now. Oh well, and, it was funny uh, afterwards. Huh? And uh, I've got if, if you're listening now, uh, I want to talk to Joey Huffman. The number six four six seven one six nine nine two two. Or if you can't call, if you're like our buddy Delia and you're at work and you can't take a call, you can leave a message on uh, Facebook or message it to me. And in fact, I do have one. My friends uh, Joe Symes and Colin White. Um, I don't know. I don't think you know them. Maybe you do, but they are I, my friends in the band so. called Joe Symes. Okay, Joe Symes and the Loving oh. Kind. They're in Liverpool, and uh, they've been touring a lot. And they've also been um, they've been taken under the wing of um, that Gallagher boy. And, oh, uh, Gallagher. Yeah, 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 and uh, played on gigs with the uh, High Flying Birds and stuff. So uh, anyway, they said. Hello, shout out that you should come to Liverpool and and I'd uh, love to do it. Hang with them for a while. So uh, yeah, well, I'd love to these do guys it. are super. So all right, well I'll I'll hook you up on here on Facebook because um, I like these guys too. Um, so thank you, Joe, and thank you. I mean, uh, Joe Symes, and thank you, uh, Colin White, for uh, for listening in and a shout out. Now um, you. Lately, now you're about to go back out on the road, I understand, with Hank Williams. And earlier today, I posted a video of you, and I cannot remember the name of the show, the award show, but it was, uh, you were playing uh, with Buddy Guy, Steve Tyler, doing a tribute to Hank Williams Jr. Yeah, the whole show was a tribute to Hank. They had all kinds of artists. We were the backup band because we were Hank's band, and they had all these artists come and play Hank songs, and it was. Uh, but the the surprise was Stephen Tyler, and Buddy Guy coming and playing. All your all my radic friends are coming over tonight. It was it was great though. It worked great. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I have a. Uh, I had a dog. Just he just as fast, but uh, he was a shepherd and. Uh, 
Carter and Corgi Mixon. And whenever you had thunderstorm anxiety, I had to play either Coco Taylor, Big Mama Thornton, or Buddy Guy. He loved the blues. <laughs> so it was like anything that's got Buddy Guy, I have to, I have to have, I had to have a whole playlist of Buddy Guy, Big Mama Thornton, and Coco Taylor for him. So, so when I saw the other Buddy Guy, Stephen Tyler, Joey Huffman in the band, it's like, oh, what a night. You know, I just could just feel chills just watching it. So in that, uh, if you get, you know, if you get chills on a Stephen video, Hatt- watching a video, and then especially, yeah. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Stephen Tyler. Uh, Steve, Stephen was learning the lyrics, and him being from uh, Boston, he didn't really know what "put a pig in the ground" meant, which <laughs> is, you know, to, to barbecue a pig. So he was asking, "What? Well, what does this mean? Put a pig in the ground?" And they had to explain That's it to hilarious. him. <laughs> and then he, then he, I would imagine if he has to ask you that, you guys, that that he's probably looking at you like, okay, you, are you telling me the truth or are you just pulling my leg? You know, you're just making fun oh, right. of me. <laughs> right. That's the danger of asking that loaded question, isn't it? I, mean, we could, I because, didn't think about it. We could have told him anything. And the funny thing is, now that you tell me that, it makes sense because, I mean, you know, he did the song, he tore the stage, and he did great. But when I watched them on some of the lyrics, he looks like he wasn't really sure <laughs> about a couple of things. Yeah. Like, and I think, you know, he's like, oh, I'm not really sure what I'm talking about here. <laughs> but it was, am I saying it right? Am I going to be censored tomorrow? You know what? But I thought that was pretty fun. And now having a backstory yeah, on it, it's pretty good. Yeah, he was a, he was a good sport about it. <laughs> well, listen. Now, I also want to know because we only have a few minutes left, and I'm first of all, let me say thank you so much, Joey, for being so generous with your time. Oh well, thanks. Because uh, I know. Thanks for having me. Obvious. Obviously, you were the busiest men I know, but. Uh, what about you? I know that you you have a studio, or you're co-owner of the studio. It's called the the Vault Recording Lounge. In, yeah, uh, and it's northeast of Atlanta, I think. Northeast or northwest of it's, Atlanta, in Marietta. It's, it's it's in Marietta, right off the square, a couple of blocks off the square. So I don't know and when you uh, have time or energy to do that, but tell us about the Vault. Um, it's a great place everybody that comes there and works there loves it they love the vibe there it's just so laid back and uh we got you know all the all the cool gear that that you need to make records and uh we kind of do it at our own pace and and i'm working with upcoming artists and uh you know it's just really cool i mean we can record or we can stop and go to the, the square and have something to eat and or just anything you know and uh I it's I got a love for producing younger artists that are trying to trying to make it in the business and hopefully we'll get some success with some of these artists we're producing. Uh anyone you want to give a give us a shout out to or 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 name for us? Well, oh there's so many. Uh, uh, uh my rebel episode, we did those guys. I don't know if you know them and there's a girl named uh, Kelsey Collins that's 21 and writes her own songs, and I think we're going to have good success with her. And uh, there's a few others. 
we're, we're trying to help them take it beyond just recording. We're trying to help them promote and, and, you know, try to place their songs in a playlist and different things like that. Trying to, to, you know, make their career, further their career instead of just recording them and saying, Hey, here, uh, you know, thank you very much. I can see that must be really especially cool. I mean, you've taken all of this, this vast experience and knowledge that you have, and to be able to to share this and guide someone else's career, I'm sure they feel blessed, and that's got to be that's got to be exciting for you too. Oh, it is exciting for me. It's like, and these artists that I work with, I, you know, I bond with them in some way. I, I couldn't work with somebody. I couldn't, you know, if I, if I had to go home and take two showers to, after doing it, you know, uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I get close to these artists and, and you know, want to help them. I mean, I don't want to be a manager and I don't want to be a, you know, a publicist or whatever, but I try to help them hook them up with people that that, that yeah. can do that for them and also and also, you know, maybe lay out a plan with them of what to do with the after they haven't mastered what to do with the product. So we've only been and open in a, a year in a... and a half. So Oh really? Okay. But we've been getting yeah, but we've been getting busier and busier. And so how would people find you? Now, your website, joeyhuffman.com, and if you want to find that, I'll be sharing that on all of my social media, Joey's website, joeyhuffman.com. And then how do people uh, get in touch with you at the Vault Recording Lounge? Well, they can just send me an email, and uh, I'll, okay. I'll give them my phone number. You know, if they want to talk, all if right. they're local, and they were, you know, I can give them a, the dime tour of the studio and take them out for good lunch and explore our options. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I'm going to uh, – so I'll share also share um, information on the Vault Recording Lounge, um, like I said, on all of Madam Perry's social media. And um, and I got so busy listening, I, I didn't get any songs uh, – of, that you produce from the vault Ready to play, for, even though I put some of your work okay. on video. But what if I just, what if I, I kept thinking, so what, what will I go out with? I can go out with somebody we know. I can go out with some, a friend of ours. Um, I've got Cheetah Chrome. I've got Ray Daffrico. How about our buddy Ray? Ray would be good. You think Ray, you think so? I yeah, think so. I, I'd like yeah. to hear my buddy Ray. Okay, so uh, yeah, he's I guess like I said when 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 Kaz, you know Chasm Sultan, bass player uh, yeah. for Utopia, Joan Jen, when he was on, uh, Ray told him he said because you know people that listen know that we're here in a genie bottle called Madame Perry Salon, and Ray said, listen, I've got my own seat here, my own cushion, and my own backpack. I'm here on almost every show. so uh, so Ray's <laughs> such a dedicated guy. I'm going to. Uh, we're going to close out with Ray something in the night. And again, my guest is Joey Huffman, musician. Uh, he's the producer. Uh, you can check him out. I'll have all the information about his website, what's going where you can catch out where 
what's going on with him, where you can see him, videos, and also how you can get in touch with him to record. And... Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.